Hello everyone. Uh, welcome to LTV Talks. Today we have uh, Emma with us, and she is currently the VP of CRM at uh, Deezer. Uh, Deezer, for anyone who doesn't know it, is a French music rental service that provides streaming of music, podcasts, and videos to users in more than 180 countries. And Emma comes with like so much experience; it's almost insane. She was previously head of customer engagement. Uh, uh, at the BetClick group which is an online gambling and casino and poker uh, company she was there for around 3 years and before that the vast majority of her experience comes from uh, Sephora where she was for almost 9 years and uh, you worked right through from like market research analyst to then becoming the director of CRM so with that Emma welcome to the to the uh, to the show Thank you, Pat. Very positive. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was very keen to talk to you, Emma, and of course, we uh, we worked together uh, at Deezer for a few months. Um, but I was super impressed by like how much experience you have, like you know, working with CRM teams and driving results across like bigger CRM teams and not just like small ones. So I'd be curious to start there, maybe like just talking about your journey from. you know how did you get into crm because it seems like you actually were working as an analyst before and then yeah your journey from there on uh yeah of course so yeah my career started in data it was uh, my passion as a time and still still my passion i actually never gave up and so i started as an analyst even like data scientists didn't really get it at the time we call that data miner Um, so starting in a consulting for a couple of years, and yeah, after four four to five years, I get a spend to um, uh, join Sephora. So in Paris at that time, so I thought I would stay a year, but actually, as you say, ended up staying almost a year. So it was very very rich, and and it gave me a lot of opportunity to, as you say, like just progress and discover different job, different functions. So. Uh, but starting in data was actually really cool because it's so rich and so wide that uh, it gave me the opportunity to uh, work with different teams. Uh, but most importantly, like better understand our customers at that time because in any type of job you need to better understand who are your customers and users. So obviously, having like manipulating all those data was just like a goal to me. So. Um, and it really also developed more my like strategic skills and so on so it was really a very rich time and then at some points um even the data we always say that the data told but actually not that much so the data will give you the what your users are doing but they won't necessarily give you the why mm-hmm. and i feel at a moment in my journey we get the opportunity we didn't have like market research team at that time but started to work on a couple of like quantitative survey and then qualitative and then after a couple of times say okay we should definitely like uh, set up a team um so that's what i did and it was pretty short but those two years were like very very rich again because it really helped me understanding the the why uh why our users were doing this and this and even like extend more my exposure across the organization on like different teams so i was not only working Of course, a lot with marketing and CRM at that time, but not only was working a lot with the innovation team, with the merchandising team, with uh, the teams that were sourcing like all of the brands. So it was really, really wide, and also um, being exposed very closely to leadership because all of the challenges they were working on necessitated uh, need to have basically deeper, deeper understanding of the market and so on. So it was really complementary to the data, and I would say at that stage. I could have uh, gone to multiple way and pass mm-hmm. because it was really um large and that's kind of like usually one of the advice I give to people who start working and have some like uh uh I would say affinity to data start with data market research because this is so wide that it gives you like a lot of opportunities but CRM was kind of like one of the obvious one to me because uh, it was a way to um apply all the learning that i had at the beginning of my career and get more concrete and act on it so it was really cool and it actually started with a project it was not necessarily like a role i took and say oh i want to do crm so it was the position was very smooth um i was in the us at that time because i had the chance to move uh, there 
Um, and one of the main challenges was about personalization. So how can we deeper personalize the user experience? So starting with the project, as I had deep knowledge into customers' users and was not that bad at like managing projects in general, we started with this. So at that time, the U.S. organization was pretty mature and solid. In the U.S., they had like pretty right. deep experts, especially in digital marketing, as you can imagine. Um, but we had different teams, but they were all working in silos. Um, so me being kind of like in the middle, uh, I had two main objectives. The first one was to build bridges across those different teams um, so that our user journey is more consistent and more personalized. So it started all from there. Uh, started to... By the way, with like, yeah? Sorry, on that actually, I had uh, a few questions. Uh, yeah, because it was, it's, it's super interesting. And I was wondering, like, this must be what year? Uh, this must be 2000. Five or six, yeah, maybe around that. Uh, or... to, to, I started uh, Tefor in 2006. No, later, 2010. Uh, okay. And the US experience was more in 2015. Yeah. Okay. So in 2015, right, I remember reading, uh, that time was when I was just starting. So I remember reading about personalization and then working, starting to work with companies. I realized that it was more spoken about than actually happening. So I'd be curious to know, you know, because US was more advanced than a lot of European startups, I imagine. But how was that? Like, have you seen the data rule change uh, drastically? Like, I imagine we have gotten more sophisticated. Do you see that usage go very high suddenly after your initial experience into today? Yeah, I would not say it was sudden because it took like it took time and it's still now takes time because you know we are still like exploring how to do like deeper personalization but it was actually really interesting so it started actually in France even so I was not working in CRM when I was in my data role I had a lot of um, I was working a lot with the CRM team and I do remember we started at that time so a long time ago on trying to bring personalization to the floor for like you know uh, um, like people on, in store trying to better understand their users and you basically have like um, iPad or iPod, I forgot at that time, mm -hmm. with like an application made for uh, the people on the floor that were like recommended products. And it was the first time we actually bring um, product recommendation uh, directly in store. So we didn't okay. really have those fancy algorithm, but like it was one of the one and one of the two two model at that time, one, one was about replenishments to making sure to know when the users have like um, mm. bought their bottle of foundation the last time. And the other one was about discovery. And it's actually starting at that time. Um, and then when I was in the US, uh, yeah, truly they were more advanced, but it was more in the digital side. Uh, so in France, it was really still like how to bring the data in store. And in the US, mm. it was more differently, like how to activate the different channels. Um, so it was actually such like uh, an important thing that at that time, we wanted to go deeper into personalization. And we also decided to, to accelerate this, to change the way we were organized. And, um, and we actually stood up like um, a team really only focused on experimentation to run pers towards personalization. Uh, so it was a team of diverse experts in different areas, but they were 100% focused on testing uh, to personalize the experience. So yes, at that time, we learned a lot about, but actually we learned a lot from just what we have done. We had no revolutionary mm. ideas, but because we were so much focused on experimentation and so much organized around this, we managed to run, I don't know, like 10 to 15 tests on a given sprint. A sprint was like two weeks. And because we tested, tested again, and failed, and we learned, that's how we basically get more and more sophisticated. Wow. Yeah, this also, like, um, it's interesting because at that time, it seems like the main problem was around data collection and making sure that it was clean data. And now it's, like, for better organizations, uh, also Deezer, for example, you have the data, and now it's all about, like, how do you use it effectively, right? Like, it's almost similar problems, but still a bit different. Yeah, I agree. And at the time at Sephora, so 
the challenge was really, yeah, on like, and, but what we did, and I think what was really important is like in our experimentation, like team, it was okay if the data was not good. As long as it was relevant for the users, of course, and, uh, and it was just correct. We were not really focused at that time to getting the data more organized. We just wanted to test things. But when the test we had done was okay and successful, that's when we were, okay, let's be focused on scale. So it was basically a two steps. The first step was really experimenting with like, even the, if the data or the copy was dirty, it was like good enough to uh, be tested into our, our users. And then we had the scale phase where we were more focused on like bringing the right stack to um, scale all of the tests we, we had done. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Sorry for uh, disturbing, but uh, no. so how did you then move to a uh, CRM strategy? Was it like a function of now you were supplying all this data and now you wanted to get to a phase where you could direct the team to do what, you know, what needs to be done for personalization or how was that transition? Then? Yeah, it was very, very natural uh, because of this project I was leading. We said, okay, now we need people and we started to build our journeys. And as we had like very strong, as I said, digital marketing experts, we didn't really need to have like operational work in my team, but we clearly needed some guidance on the strategy side. So that's why we actually created that role that didn't exist. Um, and it started like this and, and more and more with all the tests we were doing, our role was not only focusing on testing um, to have deeper personalization, but also building our core journeys, onboarding, like all of the life cycles. So, um, so yeah, the shift was actually very smooth and natural. Like it was kind of like, okay, this is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and at that time, CRM team was how it looks like today. And maybe we can go to bed click uh, right after this. But I'm, I'm just wondering, like at that time, because you came from the data world and like from all this market research background, uh, was CRM differently defined as a team uh, and what the role was for CRM versus today, what the general CRM team looks like? Um, yeah, of course, even so, I feel um, at Sephora, like we were like pretty advanced in terms of CRM. So I feel they were like pretty ahead of time. And I quickly understand the real core, uh, I would say, benefits of having a CRM function not not on like focusing on sending newsletter, but more like bringing value to the business and uh, with more automation and so on. Um, so I've actually naturally, when I moved to CRM, it was already pretty much transitioned to like the CRM functions that is today. But of course it evolves over time and now more and more um, the function has evolved. So it's less about being a good like marketer and, and and setting up campaigns, it's really about developing your analytic skills, uh, technical skills, product skills as well to me. Mm. Because uh, if you are a CRM manager today, what you are doing is like owning your portfolio of like different journeys. Um, yeah. And your goal is to be good at analyzing your data, manipulating tools that are more and more complex, even like coding sometimes. But also having all of those strategic skills of being able to understand where you want to go with your journeys, uh, how you will get there, how you will experiment to get there, defining your updating agenda and so on. So yes, the role has fully evolved. Um, and to me, it's now it's more about data, it's more about tech, it's more about being like strategic. So, but the, we can get to there and especially because I, the experience I had at Beckett was a very like merge, but I think the CRM role, the border between CRM and product gets more and more thin, uh, right. which is really, uh, really good to me because it's obviously reflects in the user experience. Yeah. And I think like, uh, also from a user perspective, they don't see different teams, right? And now yeah. earlier it used to feel different because you could clearly see that the teams that were sending you communications were not necessarily the teams that were building the product. But I think now it's a very merged experience from a user perspective as well. So it only makes sense that CRM product are also, you know, getting too much close now because mm -hmm. uh, to a user, it definitely doesn't feel like a separate experience, right? Because if you think about push notifications or in-app messaging or content cards, right? Like you are in the app, 
So it, it would make less sense to have very divergent teams yeah. even still today, right? Um, and, and also for all, yeah. No, go, go ahead. ahead. I would say when you are a CRM manager today, to me, it's uh, just impossible not to consider what the experience is actually. So working hands to hands with the product managers. And when you are a product manager, same on the other way around, it's just impossible to me to only consider the experience in app, but they have to like go further and say, okay, what, what about outside of the app? So that's why it's like today, I mean, in my team and my previous experience, like they were like, like this, like uh, mm-hmm. very strong duo working together from the very beginning. Yeah, and especially for for apps where the product experiences has to be linked to what you're communicating, right? Like if you're a music streaming app like Deezer, you need to be even closer than let's say a retailer, uh, you know, or an online shop because now your algorithms also feed what kind of music we want you to nudge towards or whatever it might be, right? Uh, and personalization is not, uh, um, you know, an advanced use case, but like the basic use case right now. Uh, so that's definitely true. Uh, how was MetClick, by the way? Because I remember uh, talking to a lot of, you know, online casino companies um, a few years ago. And I remember it was always very quantitative. It was like, how can we convert more and they had much more I felt that it was like much more advanced in terms of how they analyze data and how they run experiments versus a normal you know B2C company or like a subscription company right was that your experience as well or how was that uh, working there um, I would say not at the beginning but it became uh, this way uh, what I I basically joined that in very different contexts. So the mission I had was really, um, we had they had an existing like CRM team, but my mission was kind of like to restart from scratch and just reshape CRM in general at that click and the team in particular um, and, and transition to a more like, uh, like analytical, like product-oriented team and really focusing on, on the experience that I was mentioning before. Um, so I would not say that they were really mature in terms of testing anything, but uh, what I really learned from this is like their ability to adjust and change. So and actually the organization we had at BetClick was, I think my one of the best organization I could have as a CRM, as a CRM team, uh, because also we didn't start it with the optimal, but um, we were so always constant, constantly challenging ourselves that we kind of like tweak the organization and adapt the organization to find at that time the perfect organization we need to accomplish for our mission. And uh, what was very um, different at BetClick is that we also had this uh, challenge, made this huge bet on building everything in-house. So we were building our ERM platform in-house because we had a lot of very um, expert developer experts and and so we decided to do it in-house. So it was very, very challenging, but very, very interesting. And as we had this flexibility, we were able to shape the organization we really wanted to shape. And so at that time, what was really interesting is this, I was talking about the delimitation between products and CRM. Actually, we had no delimitation because the CRM team was part of the product team. And I would say it's not of the product team, it's a product organization. We're organizing squads. Um, so of course we had one team that it, we're more focused on like operation and, and sending like other campaigns, but otherwise we had like two, three squads. Each squad was focused on one part of the experience. And it was a mix of CRM skills, product skills, tech skills, analytics skills, uh, both analytics and engineering. And we were all focused on building this new experience, whatever is inside the application or outside this like automated journeys. But this organization was so efficient and so powerful that we very quickly uh, managed to get to that stage of experimentation and, and being more focused on like um, being um, revenue driven. Of course, this is like a transactional business and really focused on like a money business. So the challenge of, of um, increasing the return of investment was really high. So it was most of our, our focus at that time. Mm-hmm. Very quickly on building in-house because I find that very interesting and it comes up quite often with bigger companies who have 
you know, engineering or data first mindset, right? Like they have so many talented engineers that sometimes they feel like we can just build in-house. Has your opinion, like what's your opinion on building in-house versus getting uh, a tool outside? Because, yeah, because it's it's interesting. And I had theory from Massive Rocket uh, in last week's episode. Yeah, I know theory. And we were talking about this uh, as well. And we were talk- both, we were talking about how companies make this mistake of going building uh, in-house. Um, but yeah, I would be keen to hear your perspective on it. So I would not say it was a mistake, honestly, because uh, the team we had at that time and the vision we had was so strong that in actually in a very short time frame, we managed to stand up and build a platform that was... Um, where like, I don't know, any brace could be very jealous because uh, because it was homemade, it was tailor-made. So we managed really to build something that tailor our needs at that time and especially mixing this strong experimentation path as well. However, when I'm stepping back, it was very quick at the beginning and a high energy and so on. But after a couple of years, you realize that what you have built is so massive that you are maybe not armed anymore to maintain this. Um, so again, it's just a matter of readiness and what skills mm. you have in your team. It was efficient at the beginning. Uh, I will actually have lunch after with one of my uh, private military teammates, so I can ask her. But I think they're kind of like in the middle of rethinking potentially, like getting um, um, an externalized tool, but still yeah. keeping going now. But it's quite it's it's quite complex after a couple of years to maintain basically completely. And I I think that's the main reason why it's not like a mistake, but it's like super hard because you don't only need to maintain the the infrastructure you've built. The communication channels are changing so quickly and teams are scaling so globally that I feel like you almost need a dedicated team to always maintain and update it, right? Like to oh, you do cater sure. to the new ones. Yeah. Super interesting. Um and uh, then, you know, at BetClick, so you were doing all of this um, and you transformed the CRM team, which is a common theme, by the way, in your experience. And that's why I was so interested in when we were working together to get your thoughts on these topics as well. Because I see that you've done so many transformation projects almost, right? Uh, and you've taken CRM teams from, you know, either building it at Sephora or BetClick, you know, just like sort of getting them from uh, something that, was not very well developed to something where, you know, it was an efficient machine <laughs> uh, to also at Deezer, right? Like that's what your main goal was, right? You joined Deezer two years ago, I think. Uh, and what? Uh, what uh, uh, okay. Yeah, you're and uh, same challenge. Um, really, as uh, a team, we had uh, a team at the time, a CRM team. Um, they were suffering a lot from like, um, I would say, not super clear organization that shifted from one team to another on like very uh, like and to one leader to another. So um, it was really hard for them and they were completely undervalued across the organization. They were more like the, you know, people who execute campaign and just take a brief and just do it. Um, it was really hard at that time. So yeah, so mission was to say, reshaping the team, re-energizing the team, most importantly, um, and really uh, reposition them at their right function of like bringing value, uh, adding value to your business and adding value to your customers uh, and users as well. So actually same challenge, but different culture, different um, industry. Um, and I have to say that at Betley, uh, it was what I found quite hard it's driving that change within the organization mm-hmm. because mainly I think some part of the organization was ready, but not all of them. So it took me like a lot of energy and steps to get there. And I really wanted to try it again in a different culture and products that was actually from my personal like perspective, super interesting, like working with music, it's like so great. And um, I really wanted to give it another try and in another, like, I would say, format or experience. And I have to say that um, it was quite successful because it's been a year and I feel that I have a clear recipe of what to do. Uh, <laughs> and we managed to do it because people were more open 
we're more ready uh, to get there. Uh, my team, of course, but also the rest of the organization. So it was and still not easy, but it was way more efficient because also I had the experience and I know where to start, what to do. So, um, so same mission, but, um, but all you always have to adjust. So depending on basically the team and, and the contact you are working on. Absolutely. And, uh, at Deezer, when you joined, uh, you mentioned like, you know, it was a very, it was a very different setup in the sense that you, you know, you had the team and they were still used to working on a brief, uh, system, right? I see that happen in a lot of companies as well, uh, where they are at that stage and they want to move, especially the needs are now starting to come from higher management as well, where they're seeing the potential of customer engagement tools and then, you know, they want to know how to get the most out of it, but also not think very short term, right? And it might be because of a lot of market dynamics on like how people are getting more harder to acquire and then, you know, all of those things. But how do you move from there, right? Like, uh, and that like brings me to, you know, this transformation topic because I I feel there are not many people like you who have uh, so much experience in driving this change, especially in CRM teams. Uh, so it would be great to get your perspective on how do you put yourself into that frame and what do you think about, like what are some of the major things you are thinking mm -hmm. about when you find yourself in that position, right? Like, are you thinking team structures? Are you thinking uh, senior leadership buy-in? Or what's your recipe, let's say? Um, yeah, I mean, the first thing is that uh, when you want to reorganize, and when I say reorganize, it's not necessarily a team organization. It's just everything, the process and everything. You have to be organized. <laughs> so uh, so otherwise, it, it will not work. Um, but yeah, my re recipe is very focused on people. So I would say there is a three steps recipe. Uh, first one is your team, uh, because you cannot survive without a strong team. So it should be, I would say, your main and first focus. Um, so obviously, when I joined, I took a lot of time to observe, um, listen to like all of my team members, observe how they were working within the team, working with the rest of the organization, um, and kind of like assess um, the existing team, uh, where were our strengths, where we had gaps, and what kind of skills we had and we were missing, kind of like doing an audit on like um, what, what we needed at the time to be efficient. And most importantly, spend a lot of time like, yeah, talking with them, not only my direct reports, but the whole team to better understand their pain points, their challenges. Um, also being able to identify, okay, um, who is really good at doing this, who is maybe not really good yet, but they will be, they have the potential, it's just there are not uh, in the right role or in the right team at that time. So a lot of time on your team to very quickly understand your strengths and where you have your major gaps. And then very quickly hire, uh, being clear on like who you need uh, to hire, what type of skills, depending on the organization you had in mind. And I had at that time already an organization in mind. And potentially, because it takes time to hire, uh, get some help, as we I did with you mm -hmm. at that time, uh, bringing some uh, expert very quickly who can help you um, get your first wins uh, when mm -hmm. you get started. But I would say first step one is your team because you need to have your team working or being motivated, energized, and adopting your vision uh, to get started. And then I think next, but very could be like in between, uh, in parallel, sorry, uh, your peers. Um, really, really, really important to go against through their own uh, organization. Meeting your peers, understand uh, their challenges, saying their pain points, and being really here to understand their objective. And I think the main question I had always all the time is like, how can can I help? How can my team help? So really building that trust with them, it's really really important. From my past experience, um, it's really hard to get that trust quickly with all of your peers, but. What I do in general is I'm focusing on like one or two 
It could be the one where you have, you know, the best fits and you think they will help you drive that change. It could be the most important team you are working with because you are working like together all the time. But like pick your, pick the one you think you will help you drive that change uh, more easily than, than the other ones. And the other ones you can get to it after, but I think it's really nice to, to have focused from the beginning. And I think this part is probably the hardest one uh, to get mm-hmm. trust with your peers. But this is really essential. And then you were talking about leadership. I feel it goes next. But I think this one is pretty easy. If you've done correctly, like the part two, one and two uh, with your team and your peers, and if everyone is on board, if you have a clear vision of where you want to go, how you all get there, I think you get the leadership buy-in pretty easily. So mm-hmm. yeah, I would say this last part is like not the biggest challenge. It's really about motivating your team, um, and then uh, bringing on board your peers with you. That's super nice. And if we dive into the team component of it, right? Like how do you assess, for example, when you're meeting them, uh, how do you go about understanding? So one thing is understanding their strengths and if they are good at some parts, right? Like I always see this uh, different almost different types of CRM marketers. Sometimes I see the creative ones who are always uh, talking <laughs> about big ideas. And then I see some who are always talking about, okay, how can we automate this entire thing? Uh, so you have very clear personas in the CRM team. And so how do you, like, do you then, uh, when you have this team set up in your head, do you typically try to find uh, based on what your setup is or do you find the strengths and then you think about how do you want to structure the team so that these people can actually drive these kind of projects forward you know how do you think about the team in general from a structure it's really it's really a mix i would say i usually start with what i have in mind because and also based on my past experience i know what what works well um and even so you still always need to adjust and and by the way i think i was talking about the recipe or like a standardized organization i had in mind most importantly it's to make sure that this organization fits with your objective it happens that as you said i pretty much had the same mission of like standing up a team an existing team and so on so the objective was pretty similar but what's really really important is to shape your team based on your objective and um, that's the reason why if your objective change, you can just change the organization. But most here, yeah, it was more on me being kind of like clear on, I think, how a CRM team should be structured to clearly show quick results and impacts on, on the business. And then I would say I had like 75% in, um, of what I thought I would do at the beginning that I actually did. And the 25 remaining is more about making sure that with like talking with people, sometimes there is actually this role could make totally sense for you and for the team and for how we, uh, depending on the stage we are. So it's really a mix of, of two and, and, then, and of course a mix also of what the, my teams wants. And there are not only that you could be good at something, but don't want to do it. So it's really like a balance and it's like art on like how to better understand uh, your team and the structures that will be the most efficient for the organization. But it actually went super smoothly um, at Deezer at the time. So. I see. Well, for someone listening, right, how do they think about team structures? Because I, for example, have seen team structures based on audiences where, you know, they have top to the bottom of funnel. And then, mm-hmm. as you said, right, edge each team has a portfolio of uh, of things maybe that they're working towards or an audience that they're working towards. So how do you, if you were, let's say, brainstorming, not for Diesel, but for someone, uh, some organization, how would you think about this? Like, should you be metric-driven? Should you be audience-driven? Because as soon as you become metric-driven, you have their own set of challenges where people start using blackhead things, right? Like, I remember once I was talking about... Uh, about a team who had this KPI of moving month one retention. And what they were doing is they only had to report on that metric. So they would send you the notification right before that so that you get like the app opens in and then it showed a very high bump in month one retention. So, you know, there's so many issues that happens and you need to 
almost have a strategy in place to not let that uh, happen to your team. So how do you think about this, right? Like, do you, yeah, or is it skill-based, right? Like, do you say, okay, CRM data is one, CRM ops is one, CRM tech is one. Uh, so how do you go about that? So again, it's really depending on your objective. So for even so, I feel that the user centricity slash data centricity it goes together because if you are um, if you want to be focused on one part of the journey, it means one part of one set of KPIs. So it's a mix of adjusting depending on your objective and yeah, being more user centric and organized around the funnel. So the reason why I say that is that, for example, at Deezer, we had a clear needs on shifting from our automation because everything was ad hoc, manual, um, not really uh, matching with the user cycles. So we were pretty much running, uh, I don't know, we didn't do the math, but I would say 80% of our campaigns slash journeys were ad hoc and only a few percent, 10, maybe 20% automated. And I knew that uh, we will be successful if we will be like closer, accelerate automation and closer to user cycles. So reason why I just reshaped the team and did a huge focus on automation. So I basically separated like the more like ad hoc campaigns versus like automation. But then on the automation side, I really organized based on the user journey and the KPIs wanted to optimize. Uh, and having each team, it's usually like small team. It doesn't have to be big team, but like having them keeping their focus and accountability on a set of KPIs to optimize. Um, so for instance, at Deezer, it's like one team focus on coercion. So it's mainly activation and coercion. So early journey or uh, end of the cycles uh, for channel prevention and so on. But they are really focused on those like key moments of uh, time. And the other team is engagement. So here they are focused to focus on, on, on the core loops and how to deeper engagement. And it's it works because they have a focus on the user journey, user moment of life, or and a set of KPIs. And just to answer your it's not only one KPI, we always have a kind of like a North Star hierarchy. Um, and we have our primary KPIs, then we always have our control KPIs because all the time you want to optimize one, but without hurting your, your baseline. So, uh, yeah, so we'd say it's like, first it's like, depending on your maturity and the objective you have. So, and you should refocus on your top priority. And then, uh, I feel, yeah, part of the user journey with a set of KPIs is really efficient. Got it. And in terms of training the team up, do you have you know, do you go there with, uh, let's say you now want to create a change within how the team works together. Do you typically go in with an idea and then get everyone on board? Or after this conversation, you are, you work the slow game, right? Where you're trying to understand how they would like to work and then piece together a process that optimizes for what they have. Or do you, because I feel like there's advantages to both the systems, right? <laughs> the slower one might still uh, make you yeah still may, might break off right because um because and because you are not used to that system you can't really drive that process very clearly so what's your uh, advice on on that part of it right in terms of work processes and workflows within the team so again it's really a matter of balance um, and I have to say I have learned a lot on this because I was more at the very beginning in the slow path, meaning like really understand people, having a very collaborative approach, let's do it together and so on. And I'm still doing it, but now I'm a little bit more directive because I know what works. Um, so most of the time I, and that's how actually we build our own uh, team vision and strategy uh, when I arrived. Um, based on my observation, I kind of like already have like a high level draft of what we should do. Um, we didn't, I did an offside then with my direct reports and we say sharing my thoughts and enriching my thoughts with their perspective and the new, the new deserveters. And I, um, I did at that time. So it went kind of like reworking the strategy with them. And at that time we had something very good, but not exhaustive at all. And that's when we bring the whole team 
and uh, uh-huh. we shared this strategy with them with like some pieces that were not completely finished. We finished it together again in a team offsite, and it was really a, I would say a three-step process. So not too slow, but with a, but a bit because it was a three steps. So it was not me coming and saying, "Okay, we'll do this." Uh, but with strong direction from me because I actually knew what was working. Uh, but what's really important if you want your team and not only your team but also the rest of the organization, uh, the rest of the organization out of team, your your mission or your way of working, because the the strategy we had was not only on like, okay what do we want to do to drive the business. It was really on like how we want we want to work together within the team and with the rest of the organization. So you really have to. Think with them from the beginning, but making sure that it stay efficient. So having some clear like guideline. Uh, and one Got thing it. that we did, um, and I think was uh, also very important for the adoption, not for my team, but for the rest of the organization, is that we did like a roadshow across the organization. And when this like vision strategy was super clear, uh, we went to like all the team pretty much together to share what we wanted to do and how we'll do it with them. And I feel that's also part of the success um, if you don't want to have too many roadblocks on your way. Yeah, and I can attest to that, right? Like uh, when I saw your uh, presentation on like what your vision and strategy was for CRM, I think it was so clear and I don't think a lot of people put that time to put something like that together for their own team and for their peers. It's more of a conversation. And I felt that having that kind of structured process where you go on this roadshow, right, to also to all your peers can help you with that next step, right? You see some people really warming up to the vision and say, uh, you know, wanting to contribute versus some people uh, not really, you know, uh, up for it so you definitely see that next stage buy-in uh, or next stage uh, steps as well then right like for peers do you typically have because data teams product team and tech team right like that's typically where all CRM teams are talking to and are very close to do you have a preference typically like when you go uh, and start talking to these teams which are some of the peers that you really want to be close to in an organization if you are yeah, you know, if you're building a CRM team. Yeah, always data and tech, tech slash product. It depends on your organization. But like, and I usually, when I say, and forget to mention that, that I was, when I was mentioning my recipe, you know, the step one with my team, it's not only my core team, so my direct reports and, and all of my team work CRM, but it's what I call my extending team. And in my extending mm-hmm. team, you have always data and product slash tech. Um, because to me, it's like whatever the organization, and actually I was saying a, a bit like CRM was embedded into the product organization. It's actually not the case user, mm-hmm. but whatever the organization you have, the most important is the bridges and, and trust you build uh, with your peers. And when I say my team, I'm always considering our data analyst part of my team and our tech expert part of my team as well. Um, so yeah, of course, starting with data and it's really, really important, but having them feeling they are part of the team. So we have, we have the same rituals, um, I truly consider them my team and they, they understand our challenge. We, we start ideating with them from the beginning. Um, and actually in those meetings that I've mentioned, when I share my vision and so on, actually is that all data and, and tech peers were, were invited as well. So it's really about building it together. When I say together, it's not but of course, um, that intake with us. That's fantastic. I think it also works in your favor. I have seen uh, many teams go through this process in the last year or so because of uh, either they get a new engagement tool and they want to like sort of start understanding how to work with that effectively. But then also there are teams who just had these head of CRMs who were very ancient in the way they were thinking about it, right? Like they were still doing newsletters and that's it and they would never look to the product team uh, and then certainly the organization wants to move to that direction uh, and then they have to go through this change management process one thing that i always see people struggle with is like that also that third part right uh, and i think you're right in your point that it actually 
is the e- may might be even the easiest part to get the buy-in from senior leadership <laughs> because once you have these two pieces together you have very good positivity in the team and the processes and then also if you show business impact it's always easy to get senior sh- uh, leadership <laughs> back, right so i think like that's uh it might be the easiest piece of the puzzle one thing that often uh, is like you know the block is when you have to start reporting on experiments and you know showing what you are changing up to uh, to improve business metrics right how do you deal with with that in the earlier phase when you are going through this change process do you usually hold off on reporting everything and you know how or do you balance it with like okay let's so show some results like some initial wins and how we are progressing and then slowly build up the process from there um yeah and how do you also incorporate feedback because what i see one and i might be blabbering here but i see one issue that is you know like uh, a lot of time senior leadership uh, and as soon as they get like a new head of crm they want to work very closely and provide constant feedback on what you should be doing and i feel that kind of blocks the team to think for themselves right like it starts blocking the team from uh, setting free and actually thinking about experiments on their own um so yeah so how, what what are your thoughts on that right like in terms of just like showing your results and experimentations and stuff like that so maybe before getting to this just let me answer your, your last part of the question uh, what's really really important is that the vision and the, the strategy you put in place, you build in on top of an existing company strategy and also product strategies. So what I'm trying to do is like making sure that, of course, the the strategies that I have was much improved. I started from the product strategy and the content strategy, which is at these are like two really uh, important pieces. And of course, considering also the marketing, the marketing strategies as well. But starting from there and all of what I have framed was not like a siloed strategy really focused on, okay, we are the new CRM team. We'll get there. We'll do this and this. And it was really amplifying what the others were already doing. So that being done and said, it's like easier than to um, have your product peers, content peers with you on this journey. So it's like a shared objective. That way they don't come and say, okay, I want to do this email. I want to target this person like for my next campaign. It's like, no, you know, we have a clear strategy. We know where we want to go together. So rather than running those 15 campaigns out of every week, we'll take more time to think to how to automate this journey. Uh, and this journey will help um, uh, reach my obje- or common objective because it's the same objective. So we don't have that much this kind of like battle of like, I want to do this and I don't care about what you're doing because what you are doing match with their objective. Because this is really, mm-hmm. really, really important. And that's what also I have learned and I, I feel I'm better at now. It's like making sure that what we are doing is really aligned with um, the other team's objective. And about the KPIs or like showing results, Again, it really depends. Here at Deezer, we were so behind in terms of like analytics, um, measuring things, um, being clear on like what are the KPIs wants to optimize. So it was like a step-by-step process. So I did, I would rather focus on like, as you said, having like some rebuilding the foundation for sure. And it mm-hmm. was uh, a bit of time, of course, being clear on our uh, KPIs hierarchy and framework. Uh, so that each team is accountable of one part of the KPIs. Um, building the foundation to be able to clearly measure uh, our performance and the performance of the journey against the objective uh, and put the right like control in place, A-B testing approach and so on. Uh, but you know, I'm just getting there. It's been a year. Uh, and of course, within a year, you need successes. So what we did is like, we, we focused in like a couple of like first use cases we wanted to showcase. And we proven the results by, I don't know, putting like a control group and isolating the impact of what we are doing. But at the same time, I was building the foundation to be able to, now we are in a position where we'll be able to report like proactively, okay, CRM contributes X of the total business and we are there, we want to get there. 
will do those type of tests to get there and and having this like constant communication uh, towards the objective depending on the experimentation we are running but it was really it's a trap there is a there is a the speedway and the slow lane, the slow ending, building your foundation, structuring everything so that it's super clear, even if you, you cannot do it right away, but you are focused on doing it and then having some quick points here and there. Yeah. And now mm -hmm. it's tough to, now it's to get. Yeah. Good luck on that. I think that's another yeah. uh, big piece, right? Of just starting to put that experimentation and uh, visibility process into place as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a, you know, I remember it was a, it has been a pleasure working with you and knowing you uh, just like from also, I know we, you know, we do these check-ins where we always talk about like what, what new we have learned in the industry. And I think it's, you are one of the most uh, structured person I've met who's thinking about all these things in a very uh, deeper way. And I, I really like talking to you about that. Uh, so yeah, thanks for thanks for sharing the thoughts on on this as well. Uh, now you know, as as like the last part of what I wanted to talk to you about was around the future of like what you think is going to happen, right? And uh, in terms of CRM or in terms of just like where CRM is headed to, because we spoke about like how you know, the role of data has evolved from your days at Sephora to uh, to today. But we also talk about, uh, you know, spoke about uh, things that have evolved from like, you know, just the blurring of lines between product and CRM. Are there any other things that are on your horizon as things you are seeing more and more of in the industry that you feel is going to change how we think about customer engagement or you know, if there's someone who is now just heading into uh, a new head of CRM role, what are some of the things they need to be thinking about that they might not have been uh, for a very long time? So I think it's more um, kind of like the continuity of what I was saying with like being closer with a product and thinking about one journey um, from the user perspective and not only from the product CRM and so on. I think it can go even further uh, I'm thinking, for example, about, of course, like all of the uh, uh, acquisition, like gross marketing, like more channels that we are not exploring enough, uh, at least at Deezer. And I know some of the some of the industries are more, there is more synergies between like CRM and acquisition in general. I mean, it's not necessarily acquisition. It's like, hey, digital channels that you can leverage. So I think it's more... Uh, going even like closer all together. So not only CRM and products, not only data and CRM or data and product, but also with like uh, performance marketing and marketing itself. So it's really about um, having this magical organization with when everything is merged and actually you are not only focused on like a function of CRM, but you're focused mm -hmm. like on a given like journey or whatever, and you have different skills to to improve one part of this journey but like it's a mix of different teams working together and you basically completely break the silos and are only focus on one objectives and you work together well to accomplish that objective and i'm thinking also about like data science so at user we have a strong data science team who as you can imagine is working on optimizing all the algorithm to recommend you the right track uh, how can we even work further with them not only to leverage what they are already doing, but to help us getting to the next stage of prioritization, for example, because, you know, the challenge is like, once you are automating so much, now you want to make sure that the messaging that is delivered to your user is super impactful. So there is really this idea of like making sure that you prioritize the right message to your user. But I'm not saying that from a CRM perspective, and I'm not thinking necessarily about like, an engine that will say, okay, you need an email, you need a push uh, on Monday morning or on Monday afternoon. Mm -hmm. It's really a prioritization engine that is embedded in your product and push the right content and, and message uh, really direct while you are to personalize your homepage and so on. So it's really about like um, creating more and more and more synergies across the teams and so, so that it can have an impact to the user journey as well. So the synergies, uh, and yeah, honestly, so far, 
I'm not I'm not such visionary. I have to say, so maybe not is the right person to ask this question. No, I, I I think this is lovely, and this is more you are a realistic visionary from your answer, right? Like yeah. I think it's a very nice uh, nice way of thinking about it because even if you look at the top one to five percent of the companies who are using customer or who are nailing customer engagement, I think you know as you were speaking, I was thinking about all the teams that are actually very well performing and like you know are driving results uh, and quick results i actually see them having very high level of synergies between different teams and not it's not easy thing to achieve because as you mentioned right like it's still uh, a team you know you have your peers and you need to really get a buy in but then also not just stop there right like it's almost then getting all these people to you know start contributing to what you are doing and then also working closely with you i have only worked with a few companies who have that at a very well functioning level uh, and more than something theoretical so i think that's a very good insight for example i uh, what you mentioned around bet click right like how you had product squads i mm-hmm. i've seen that stuff in a few companies and uh, i think that that sort of starts enabling it because product teams are already have or product squads usually already have data uh, tech <laughs> ux yeah. so you're getting gaining from all the perspectives and if you have a crm person embedded in them you typically also get more synergy with all the other teams uh, but then you need the crm person to also understand all these domains right which is uh, slowly developing so yeah i mean it's it's a very nice uh, very nice way to put it and uh, it's the time to remix right as more you yeah. remix the organization more you can get out of it. yeah and so that's great. great it shows their expertise that's how the magic appears and so it's not only mixing people together but mixing the right people together that are really respectful of like everyone's expertise and working with the same objective and putting their personal ambition aside and reading for the mindset and all to get there together. Yeah. Uh, and you see that with subscription apps also, like specifically if we talk about like the paywall and pricing part of subscriptions, which gets spoken about a lot. Uh, I recently worked on this piece with uh, with a company called Glassfire. And we were looking at <laughs> who owns monetize, monetization in a, in a subscription app. And we went around, or, or I went around and asked so many people who work on subscription apps, just like, okay, if I had to talk to one person around, what are you doing to optimize your, you know, your free trial to paid or your uh, installed to pay uh, trial conversion rates, who owns that optimization? Very few people were able to answer, uh, you know, some one person or one department because uh, it's, these are usually the things that are put in place and you never look at them again. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you have, and there are so much possibilities with customer engagement because if you think about pricing, we have been doing this forever through discounts, right? But we've never done that as a as an experiment within the core product. And the best teams were the ones who actually had someone for, and these were typically customer engagement team members who were looking at this and sort of starting to optimize this, right? So with more and more functions, right? Like even something like a paywall to something like a product to something UX, whatever it might be. I think I've seen customer engagement teams or CRM teams drive so much impact very quickly for all mm-hmm. of these teams that we can be very useful if used properly. And this makes me think, uh, I was talking about that as we are here to amplify like product vision or so on, we are also here sometimes to t- pre-test things. So, you know, when you're a product, product team, it takes some time uh, uh, to develop things. And so it's costly because you need to having your team focusing on this. So usually also we pre-test like ideas that we have. We test it. If it works, it's actually a good way to prioritize it uh, on the product side and making to extend the experience in the product. So it's both ways. It's like we are really as an amplifier, but also precursor on some, on some stuff to, to test before. Absolutely. And by the way, not a plug, but I think that's exactly um, the topic from the, from the conference talk I just gave at App Promotion Summit, where we were talking mm-hmm. about exactly this. We built reward programs through 
Braze in this case, uh, and so just a customer engagement tool without any native product involvement. And the idea was exactly this, right? Because it it didn't get prioritized by product teams because there's no data to validate the rewards program, mm-hmm. right? And it, uh, CRM could very quickly test it out for the teams. So now they have a very good set of data to say, okay, if we were to invest in our time in building this, we know what kind of results we can expect, right, more or less. And so it does act like a testing ground almost, right? Mm-hmm. It's um, definitely true. Perfect. Uh, I know we, we just hit one hour, Emma, uh, but uh, thank you so much for, for sharing your thoughts. It was awesome talking to you and getting your thoughts on it. But any last thoughts before we uh, before we end this? Oh, I don't know. Uh, just enjoy, enjoy your day-to-day work. Uh, I think it's more important. If you don't have the passion, it's never going to work. Uh, so whatever it's coming from you or your team, making sure that uh, you are passionate about your doing and you give good vibes and energy on it, that's how you will have the, the energy actually to drive that change because it's not that easy. It could be very, very tiring. But as long as you keep your positive vibes, um, and passion, it's like actually super smooth and enjoyable. So just have fun on whatever you are doing. Maybe that's my last word. Love that. So with that, uh, thank you so much, Emma. I'm going to ask people to, uh, you know, I'm going to link out your LinkedIn profile just in case people want to reach out to you. Uh, but again, thank, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. <laughs>